It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First-Round Nothing, Head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Okay, ladies and gents, boys and girls, my next guest hails from the great state of Georgia after being chosen in the 17th round of the 2006 MLB draft by the Boston Red Sox. He'd go on to play well over a decade in the majors, highlighted by an American League Gold Glove Award in 2012, a 32 home run campaign, the same season, and a whopping World Series win in 2017 with the Houston Astros. These days, he still calls Texas home. And can be seen, amongst other things, skiing the slopes of Colorado Rockies, fishing the waterways that remind him of his youth in southern U.S. of A., or, of course, watching Shorzy Seasons 1 and 2, now available on Crave and Hulu. He is a generous Georgian, a radical right fielder, a charming champ, a dapper dad, a grateful gold glover, a sultan of Savannah. I drove through Montana, and this guy's from Savannah. He was a shortstop to start, but a right fielder at heart. What do you know? He was drafted to the show when push came to shove. He won a golden glove. Hot dogs need buns, and he had more than 30 home runs. His choice piece of bling is his World Series ring. He's a hell of a man and a Spider-Man fan. Folks, if I break a bone, I'll go see a medic. Please welcome to the show the legend, Josh Reddick. Josh, how the hell are you doing? That was the best damn intro I've ever heard in my whole life for myself. So thank you for that, <laughs> Terry. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, and it's been an honor to get to talk to you and lead up to this moment, and I'm very happy to get to meet you now. Hey, no problem. Thanks. You're an easy guy to write for because you've accomplished so many things. I mean, baseball is just the tip of the iceberg. But since I got you here, I want 
to go back to the start. You're from Savannah, Georgia. By the way, I played in Macon. Macon was my Georgia experience yeah. when it comes to the pro hockey world. It was the Macon tracks when I played, when my father played against them. It was the Macon Whoopi. What a name. <laughs> my favorite name for a team, maybe of the all of sports, the Macon Whoopi. Let's um, go Whoopi. But so you grow up in Savannah, Georgia. Were you into baseball right off the bat? Were there other heroes, other sports figures? Right out of the right out of the gate, and um, you know, it's, I always say I'm from Savannah. I'm from a small town above Savannah because nobody would know where it's from, where it is. Um, but yes, it's for, for what's it called? Begins with a G again. Guyton. 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 No, sorry, sorry. Guyton, um, Georgia. So yeah, nobody knows where that is. So we say Savannah. So it's perfect. But, but okay, so you go through big baseball uh, fan, baseball player. Your dad. Yep is big in your life, your mom, both. I mean, I, I want to get into that in a little bit, but what I want to know is how you dealt with not making the team in grade seven and eight. Why, first of all, um, w was it political looking back? You don't really have to get into it. I'm not trying to get a sound bite, but it, it find it odd that a guy six years later makes the, drafted to the majors and he can't make his grade eight team. So what happened there? <laughs> Um, you're not, I, I don't hold anything back, Terry. So ask away. Okay. Um, I, I run my mouth. I don't care. Um, so seventh and eighth grade, 100% political. Um, I don't, I don't think I was the best player around at that point. I was still young, but I was good, definitely good enough to be on the team. Um, but we just, we didn't donate enough money and we didn't take time out of our day to come suck up to the coach. And that ended so up being baseball too. Yep. So, yep. But that, that was it. And then my dad started his own team at that point and, we started running around with the guys that nobody wanted and started kicking everybody's ass. So, The Renegades, right? The, the Renegades. Oh, you've done your research. I love it. Well, yeah, first of all, I could have done this interview without doing any because I am a fan. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of Major League Baseball, and I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of yourself. I knew where you played. Some of the nuances, not so much. And that fascinates me. I did not know that. Um, I like you because you are well-spoken, by the way, and outspoken, and it's a great combination with a – an athlete who's in the public eye, right? You, you, with, with, with the way you handled yourself, not easy. A lot of people don't realize that. And you, 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 not every athlete gives an honest answer and an honest effort on the field. So I appreciate that, first of all. Absolutely. Um, so your dad starts the Renegades. Now, at what point? I know that he was, I think he was electrocuted, right? And your mom, yep. I get me, you got a brother, am I wrong? And your mom was pitching to you in your backyard or wherever it might be because he lost some of the um, strength in his right hand. Tell us, I, I know I'm butchering that, but tell us a little bit about what I just commented on. Yeah, happy to. Um, so 1988, I wasn't even a year old yet. My brother was two. My dad used to work for the power company and he was a bucket guy. So he was up working on the lines, working on the power poles, doing all that stuff and was just working one day and they went to lunch after the power was shut off and came back from lunch and the power was back on and nobody had told him they'd flip the switch and he went right to work and I think over 7,000 volts through this, his right arm through his heart and passed and blew his whole arm off from here up. So he has nothing here but a nub and then he has just three fingers on this hand and they barely even move. And for the longest time, he was doing so much treatment for so long that he couldn't really function his muscles they had to cut his back back open take a muscle out of his back put in his forearm just for a little movement but yeah my mom would step out there and throw batting practice to my brother and i because my dad couldn't and we had nobody else so and, you know when you're four and five years old all you want to do is get outside and run around and hit the baseball so she ended up wow. being that being that person that 
stepped up for us until my dad one day, just the way he tells me, he said, you know what? He said he looked at it and said, screw it. I'm going to figure out a way to go out there and throw because I'm not going to sit here in this couch and sulk for myself and feel sorry. I'm still here. I'm going to go out there and find a way. And damn sure he did. He sure enough found a way to throw to us. He even was able to pick up the bat and squeeze it between his elbow pits and he wow. could hit the ball. And he, he definitely made some adjustments after his, his injury. So, Did he like? Did he have a background in baseball? I mean, if he coached you and he took a bunch of kids that were also cast off, this wasn't just your story. And you guys go back and beat the teams that cut you. He must yep. have known, A, how to scout, and B, you know, his way around a baseball diamond. So what was his background? He played. He just played. He didn't play anymore and, you know, all the way through high school, but that was it. He just one of those guys that just loved baseball. And once he realized he got the opportunity to coach, that he didn't miss that chance. And it wasn't like – it wasn't that my dad was like a baseball guru of knowledge and, and skill, but my dad just – you know, he didn't care how the other teams felt. We could be beating you 2-1 to one and he was going to be the same thing, or we are going to be beating you 11-1 to one and he's still going to try to score runs. And – I, I mean, he would literally sit in the third base coach's box and yell at us on first base. If you're not at second base within three pitches, I'm putting your ass on the bench. Like, that's just what he did. You were going to steal, and there was nothing they could do about it, and they couldn't stop us. And everything that we did was just, you know, it was it was off the book. It was just everything crazy. It was renegades. That's what we were. We just renegades. All, we were off the book, and we just found ways to win games because we were scrappy, and that's just the way we played. We played with heart. Why Middle Georgian College? Now, I know it's close. I know it's close. And to be honest with you, I try to follow it. I, found, I find college baseball really, really hard to follow. With the, they, Sometimes they have different rules. It, yeah, they it's horrible. An aluminum bat? I don't know. Um, they still. But, yeah, like so it's a different game, first of all. And it's not promoted. Like, I don't know what it – in southern U.S. maybe, but I'm in Canada. We get all the American feeds, like, you know, and we follow MLB as much as possible – and which is as much as you, but when it comes to college baseball, I don't see much of it out there. So I'm a little bit ignorant to who's good at the college circuit. So middle Georgian college, I've never really heard of. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that choice. So, yes, yeah, so they were a, they were a junior college, so a two year school. I don't know. I don't know where y'all's colleges range from up North, but okay. it's a, it's a junior college. So it's a two year college, like a community, like a community college kind of deal. Um, so very small, but I told all four-year schools out of high school, I didn't want to go to a four-year school because I knew if I did, I would and yeah, okay. never, never, never make it to where I wanted to, because when I realized how good I was getting at baseball, it became a goal to make it to the big leagues. And there was nothing that was going to stop me. Um, and this place was just, it was in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing to do, which was perfect for me. So I couldn't get in any trouble. I couldn't go anywhere. All my focus was literally baseball. I should say school, but it wasn't. I was in school to go to baseball and, you know, for the kids watching, stay in school, do your homework, blah, blah, blah. But it just wasn't my thing. I was there to do baseball and I was going to focus on that. But yes, it was close. And, you know, ironically, only two schools out of high school gave me the, the scholarship that I was looking for. I needed a full ride. You know, I didn't come up with a, a lot of money. My parents couldn't afford it because we had an older brother. I have an older brother. I have a younger sister now. So it was just not in the cards for me to go to a high end school and pay a lot of money. So I was, Full scholarship, I offered it, I got it. As long as I went to school and played, I could get found. That was my logic, and sure enough, hey, it ended up working out for me just fine. Now, and people don't realize around here, so I, I mean, like I said, I, I played growing up amateur. I mean, nothing like down south, but we did have a couple guys. We had one guy, Gerald Butt, drafted to the Yankees and the Reds two years later, if you can believe it. He went in the mm -hmm. 60th round. So I try to tell the people that are watching hockey, 
I love it. And it's, it's becoming global. It certainly is, or more global than it was, but baseball, there's way more people playing. And so 17th round, isn't what that would be in hockey In hockey. You would think you're way on the outside looking in Well, there isn't even 17 rounds, but in baseball, you have a chance and you're sniffing around and there's not everybody plays each other. So it's harder to judge. So a lot of more right. players make it in the 17th, 20 odd, 30 odd round. So, did you feel you had a realistic chance? And what what is it? What was it like? I mean, of course you did, I guess. But Boston, um, did you like them growing up? You must have been a Braves fan, and uh, given geography, um, yeah. so you get drafted to Boston. Just what was that whole feeling? Was it mesmerizing? Were you like, okay, finally someone took me? Let's go. So it, that, that's actually funny. It was a very frustrating day um, because I was told by four different teams that I was going to be drafted before the tenth round, mm. and when that didn't come around, I was pissed. And by the, actually, by the time I found out, I wasn't even watching the draft anymore. A friend of mine called me and said, congratulations. And I said, F that. I'm going back to school. That's not enough. That's not good enough. You know, the, yeah. the signing bonus they offered wasn't good enough for what I had accomplished. I was, you know, I was the first All-American center fielder for junior college. So that means I was the best center fielder for junior college in all the country. And, you know, I won the batting title for the state of Georgia. And I think I was the third highest batting average in the country as a junior college hitter. 491, I think, right? 461. 461. My God, that's almost, for those, again, for those hockey fans, most people know what I'm talking about. Sports fans listen to this, not just hockey fans. But for those that don't know, success in baseball is like acting. Three out of ten auditions, three out of ten, you, you hit the ball, you're in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, but basically, I mean, I'm exaggerating there a little bit, but that's, pretty much what it is. So you hit four night, 461. I mean, you can't possibly do any better. You you can't possibly do any better than that. Could have so, hit 462. Well, I suppose, look, see, that's the, the way a true competitor, the way a true competitor would look at it. I suppose right. so, right. but you're getting a hit every once, every twice, two at bats, which is unheard of in baseball. So right. now you go to Boston, but what happens? I, I read about your first game. I think it was 2009. And that must have been mesmerizing. But up until then, the other thing people don't realize is the baseball minors are like crazy. It's like you, there's so many different levels and you don't get so paid hard. a lot. Right. And, and a lot of people go back and work because they're not making a lot. I mean, I'm not knocking your sport. I know how it is. Hockey's not. Too much but anyway, yeah, the minors suck. So tell us about your minor league experience. It sucked. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> The pay sucks, you know, and, and nowadays minor leaguers make a lot more money. They make probably, yeah. I think, at least like $2,000 a month. When I was playing my second year, I was clearing 1100 a month, and I was paying 400 a month in rent. Man. Um, so I, I, was, I was the definition of the word grinding. Um, but, yeah, you, 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 billet, got, you, you had, like, billet families to help or something, or no, yeah. am I wrong? Yeah, we call them host families. But yeah, host families, okay. Only at certain levels. My second and third year we did. We had host families that took care of you, helped get your food. So without them, I wouldn't have made it. Um, and, you know, just you live with three guys, four guys at a time in a two-bedroom apartment. Two of them are on air mattresses. One of you are sharing a room with them with an air mattress. It gets hectic at times. But luckily, you're at the ballpark for so long and only at your apartment for, for such little time that it doesn't really become a factor for me. And I found that video games were a good outlet for me. Come home, play video games, stay out of trouble, go back, go to sleep, go to the field, do it all over again. So... Excuse me. But yeah, luckily I wasn't in the minors very long. Um, I think I spent two and a half years before I got my call up. Crazy hectic day for me. I had actually just played a night game the night before in Double A Port in Double A Portland, Maine, um, big hockey town. And yeah. 
We just I had played, eight, I, I played there lots against the Portland Pirates. Yeah, I've been I went to plenty of games there. Oh, nice! Um, yeah, beauty, beauty had, rank, old school. Yes, and then we had an eight-hour bus ride. I couldn't even tell you where it was to, but get there. I think I got to bed at maybe nine a.m. Get a phone call at eleven a.m. And it's my manager telling me to pack my shit and meet him down in the lobby. I'm like, wow. Okay. I just got traded because it's the trade day, trade deadline. So last day before you can trade anybody. I'm like, well, I'm getting traded. Okay, cool, whatever. Down there, and I sit down for an hour, and me and my manager are just sitting there talking. And he's like, we're just waiting for a phone call. That's all we're doing. I'm like, can I go get some breakfast? <laughs> and so I go get some food, and I come back. He's like, all right, well, go back to your room. Nothing's happening. Like 10 minutes later, I get to my room, phone rings again. Come back down to the lobby. Shit. Got traded. He's like, all right, here's the deal. You're going to take a car. You're going to ride to Baltimore hour car ride and if they if they put somebody on the dl you're going to be activated in the big leagues but if not you're going to spend two days in your hotel room and come right back to us okay cool so spend three and a half hours in this car wondering if i'm going to get activated and make my big league debut that day so i make all the phone calls family friends yada 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 um spend all the time getting there and the crazy thing was i got to the hotel and for those that follow the red sox you know, Red Sox Nation is a pretty big fan base. Really big. And when they go, when they used to go to Baltimore, it was called Fenway South. So yeah, you see that. Red, yeah, Red Sox jerseys everywhere. So you're playing a home game. Well, I get to the hotel, and everybody knows where the team stays. So there's just a plethora of Red Sox fans in the lobby because I think it's about five o'clock. So everybody's getting ready to go to the ballpark and go cheer on. Well, I walk in with my suitcase, my Red Sox bag, and my Red Sox batting bag. So I've got all my Red Sox gear, and they all know who you are anyway because they follow their minor yeah, league yeah. players so tight. I started getting clapping and like a standing ovation checking in the hotel. Coolest feeling ever. Get up to my room, put my key in the door, and my phone rings. And it's the GM, Theo Epstein, says, hey, we need you. Throw your shit down and come to the ballpark. Didn't even walk in my room, Terry. I chucked my suitcase and walked right back out. And then I come down, and everybody knows what happened. They saw me get activated, and I started getting – Let's go Red Sox wow. out the door to my taxi cab. It was the coolest feeling ever. Interesting, man. That's a great story. Um, yep. I noticed, yeah, it, it was like playing for the Red Sox. There's so much tradition there in history. And, and by the way, it's my favorite place to have a beer in the world in Fenway. I love going Fenway there. Park. Yeah, it's, a, it's close for me, flight and everything too, right? As opposed True. to, yeah. I, mean, I love the American South. I played in Orlando all over, but Boston's a hop, skip, and a jump, and it's just awesome. I love Cape Cod yeah. and everything, too. But, you know, playing for the Canadians was it similar because wherever we'd go, we'd have that experience, and I, I didn't really realize until I got a bit older and, of course, was removed from the game, but going to see my buddies play who played in, like, Ryan Clough in San Jose, Damon Lankow, Tampa Bay, but I'd go to those games, and, again, they must, it's great. They get great support there, but it wasn't the same, right? You're Habs Nation and Leafs Nation, and there, there are certain teams – I'm sure it's right. the same with the Boston Celtics and uh, L.A. Lakers, you know. Um, yep. But that's interesting. So, to say the least. Now, so you're called up. Was it you're walking up to the play? And by the way, the f second part of that, I could hear you. The first part, you were going in and out. So wherever the speaker is, watch your mic. Um, okay. You're walking up to the plate, okay, for your first. It's similar to going on the ice for your first shift. And I, I, yeah. I remember thinking, it's hard for me to really concentrate and be fully here, but I'm an athlete and I got to do this and I've made a career to this point, blocking all this noise out. But I still felt an elation inside me, like this is it now, I'm in the books. And I nearly started cry 
crying would be, but but I, w- I was overcome with emotion yep. out there, and the puck is about to drop. I was in the starting lineup against Eric Lindros and the Philadelphia Flyers, one of my favorite players, and it was like awesome. a dream. But I had to go, and I I remember after the first shift going, whoa, like okay, I'm I'm in the NHL, I'm in the NHL, like never how again. Fast I go? I'm on how the books. fast was that? Is that is that how you felt? A thousand percent. So my first game. So I got to the ballpark that day. Yeah. And I was at batting practice. So I got to make it out and take batting practice, which was the coolest feeling ever. And the crazy part is, like, Camden Yards was the first ballpark my dad ever went to as a kid. So that's oh, pretty really? cool. Where I made, that's where I made my debut. Um, but I didn't start. So I got to sit down and kind of take it all in for eight innings. And then the manager, Francona, comes up to me. Hey, kid, grab your bat. You're leading off. I'm like, oh, my God. crap. Here we go. And the heart starts racing and – you know, everything, like you said, you, you got to remember where you came from. And it's like, you know, it's just like you where you were playing two days ago. It's still a baseball field. Yeah. It's just a bigger stage. And, you know, you look out and there's bleachers that reach 100 feet in the sky. And it's all about that. You know, everybody's seen movies. Clear the mechanism. You got to clear the mechanism. You got to yeah. have that tunnel vision. You got to block it all out, like you said. And once you get in that batter's box, that's when it happens. You can take everything in. But as soon as you step in between that box and those lines, everything goes quiet just naturally and everything's fine. Um, and speaking of earlier, you said video games, so I'm the same. I'm, I'm either listening to music or cause I needed to take myself away from it. I couldn't constantly. Yep. I you just gotta have an escape. I, you yeah. have to have an escape. You have to dude. So what yep. video games? Oh man. Over the years. So right now I'm on red dead redemption. Me too. Love it. I play it every night. I'm on red dead. I, I played a little, I'm level 185. I'm getting way up there. I haven't done the online one yet. I'm just doing story mode. Oh, that's um, great. W- once I get more time with these kids away from me, I can get back on the online game. But right now, I just keep it story mode. But over the years, man, it was, gosh, I love the Assassin's Creed line. I've me too. Obsessed, I've been obsessed with them. Yeah. Um, I, my wife just got me the most recent one for Christmas, so I'm stoked to put that one in. Um, I played gar- uh, Guitar Hero, Rock Band, and the Miners. Yeah. I bet. Because I was young and it was fun and it, it, yeah. was, it kept me out of trouble. Um, I was into the bit. I was into the wrestling games. I'm big into WWE. Yeah, I saw that scene. Um, so I played those games for quite a quite a bit. Um, never really got into the sports games. Never got into like the football or baseball games or anything like that. I was kind of the kind of what you see the, the free roaming. When Assassin's Creed came out, I spent so many hours playing that game in the off season. Like, so, you learn a lot, though. It's all based say, on yeah. something in history. Like I, I say it to people. I'm like, look, there's video games, and then there's like this isn't entirely a waste of time, you know. You're living, you're living the history book. Yeah. Um, history well, book. me and me and uh, Ryan McDonald, who plays Michaels on our show, we're on Red Dead. So after you're done the story storyline, if you ever want to play, shoot me a note. But let's get back to the interview. Um, Okay, so by the way, 2013, 2012. First of all, let's not butter over that because 2012 is a huge year. But when you got traded to Oakland, did you see it coming? No, I didn't. So I actually got traded in 2011 because I won the Gold Glove with Oakland and the home runs in Oakland. Yeah, um, remember that. But no, I didn't. I thought I had solidified myself as the Red Sox right fielder. Um, JD Drew was retiring. And there was nobody coming up. There was nobody in the minor league system that could have taken my spot. So I thought for sure, I was like, yes, 24, 25 years old at the time. I'm about to be the starting right fielder for the Red Sox. This is, this is perfect. Life is great. Yeah. And then I actually, I'm, I'm getting ready to go on a cruise. 
And the day before I leave for my cruise, I get a phone call and they say, hey, just want to let you know you've been traded to Oakland. And I was, oh, I was so mad. I was pissed. What month was it? December. It was right before the new year. It would have been December 29th or December 30th, somewhere around there, I think. Um, okay. So right before the new year. Season, I did. I'm just trying to think for a baseball player, that would be dead center in the off season. Yeah, okay. I see what you mean. Yep. And you're kind of, So you had no idea that it was happening. Nope. And, nope, and, and to, to a place across the country. To a place across the country, to a team that wasn't supposed to be any good, going from a team who was one of the best in the league. It was very, 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 very pissed off. And I was actually having lunch with my old high school coach, who I'm still really good friends with to this day. And I see him over there fist pumping. He's going, he's ecstatic when he heard me say it because I hung up the phone. He goes, Josh, this is the best thing that ever happened to you. I go, what do you mean? He's like, think about it. You're going to go out there. You're going to play every day on a team that's not supposed to do anything. And you're going to really show everybody what you're capable of. And it's going to be okay. I was like, okay. And then after like 20 minutes, I realized what a good move it was because I was traded for a two-time all-star and a rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. So that alone was, was enough in itself because they, they were traded, the Oakland traded their closer excuse me, to Boston because Papelbon was moving on. So it made sense at the time who I got traded for and I ended up being the best trade piece because the other four players didn't even make it very far. Um, so, yeah, so we'll go out there and have a good year, not just me personally, but, you know, that year we won the, the, the division on the very last day of the year. It was the only day of the year we were in first place in the division, so it made it cool. It was kind of like, you know, a walk-off win for the, for the season in the division, so – very special year, my second most favorite year in baseball behind, obviously, winning the World Series. Yeah. Um, so you go out to Oakland, 32 dingers. Now, I got, like I said, I played amateur ball. I wasn't a home run hitter, though, and, like, nothing. But it's all relative. So I'm curious as a hitter. Mm-hmm. And, like, and on a local level, I'm like, if you want to go for dingers, you often strike out a little bit more. So yep. I, I think you were 10th or 11th in, in home runs and I think 9th in strikeouts maybe. Uh, yeah, I think I think I was ten and ten. I think ten I was and ten. ten were you okay? Ten and strikeouts. I, I yeah. could have I could have done deeper research, but I, I mean I'm ballpark and, and I'm pretty close. So, point being, your to would that be? Were you conscious that you were going for more home runs? And of course, it's a game of inches. So if you go for more power, I'm thinking again on a relatively low level. If you're going for more power, you have to give up a little bit of that eye. Now, was that just different pitchers in the other league? Did strikeouts have anything to do with you going for more power? Were you going for more power? Did you just happen to hit 32? And now you're more confident up because, again, the strikeouts don't matter much as much as they did, especially not if you're hitting 32 home runs. So are you consciously going, okay, I'm going to get a few more Ks, but I'm also going to fucking hit a few more home runs? Yeah, I think it comes hand in hand. I think everything just kind of comes with each other. Once you, when you're hitting for more power, you're just obviously swinging harder. And, you know, you're just going to swing and miss more when you're swinging harder. When you tone your swing down, that's when you're trying to put the ball in play. So when you're trying to hit that ball over the fence, yeah, you're going to swing and miss by a lot more, a lot more often. Um, but to answer your question about trying for them, I didn't really start trying for home runs until I hit about 25. Ooh, 30 is going to be a nice number. Yeah. Like I said, I'm 25 years old. Like hitting 30 homers for a 25-year-old is very rare this this time. And, you know, this is 12 years ago. Freaking Jesus Christ. <laughs> So 12 years ago, it was unheard of. Nowadays, you know, it's the norm where people hit 200 and strike out 150 times and hit 30 homers. So it was just not really the, the best way to approach the game back then. So then I ended up changing my whole approach for the next couple of years and trying to put the ball in play more while still having a little bit about that power, but trying to cut down on those strikeouts 
a little bit. But yeah, to answer everything, I think it all just comes hand in hand. When you're striking out, you're going to hit homers, and yeah, that's just how it goes. Um, so I've heard you say you don't lift weights. That can't be true, though. You got a gun from the outfield too. Like it takes me, like it takes me. I have to hit a cutoff to hit the second baseman. I play right <laughs> field too, right local until a few years ago. But like, you got a gun and you can hit home runs. Are you telling me you you didn't work out? Oh, I worked out. I don't know where that quote came from. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I, no, I definitely, I was definitely working two to three times a week. You know, mm. you, that's something your, but your body has to get trained for. Like, like you know, I mean, it's it's, it's every so. sport, every sport. You have to work out to keep your body in shape, and it's 162 games in 180 days, and that's what a lot of people don't don't realize. Man, is that off. fucked? It's the craziest schedule in all of sports. I can't believe it, man. Plus, plus a month and a half of spring training. Does anybody ever bring yeah, that so. up? A hundred and do you Every need year. like if it was 140, would you not really know who's the best? Do you know what I mean? Like, come on. But I get it. It's now brought, it's, it's brought up every year. It's brought up every year. And yeah, it's just something that I don't think they're going to change. And, you know, once once your body gets into that, that role of training and, you know, that routine, then it becomes natural. It just becomes natural. You know, you get to the ballpark and everything becomes unconscious and. You know, you get undressed, you get your stuff on, you go grab some food, you sit down for 20 minutes, you go get your treatment in the training room, you get in the hot tub, you do a little contrast to wake up the body, you go work out, then you go to the cage, then you come back, have a bite, go out for BP, come in, do your thing, shower if you do that, get back in the hot tub, eat your free game meal, get dressed, do your hair, blah, 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 and then it becomes everything. Everything just flows and you don't even think about it. You're like, oh, it's 6.20. I got to go get in the hot tub. It's 640. Time to go to the cage. Like, it's just. Interesting. And as as it is with any sport, I imagine. You get into that routine and your body becomes used to it. Yeah, we just have more days off. I still think hockey for the level of physical demand is way too many games as well. 82. I don't know where they landed with that. Uh, You get two intermissions a game, Terry. You get a break. Yeah, a couple intermissions. And, you know, the odd time, like, depending what role. You know, you might like a backup goalie. That's a sweet gig. You know that that's uh, if you can get it. And a few times, look, I'm certainly, I certainly would obviously the goal is to play as much as possible. But in hockey, there's, um, I mean, it's 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 a completely different dynamic. But I find if you're say, I don't know, the best players in the league, they play so much, and even if they're not physical, you're taking hits. You know, even if you're not giving a lot of hits, there's a weapon. We're playing with a weapon. You go in front of the net, man, and the ref lets a lot go. Like, yeah, right in the ribs. Like, people know where to get you and in the kidneys. And, you know, and then there, you can't run out of bounds either, right? They're I mean, in baseball, <laughs> by the way, tracking a, tracking one and you, and you can catch a lot at the fence, that takes a lot of balls too because a lot of time you don't – got to guess where the fence is or at least predict in your head. But anyway, um, anticipate is the word. But, you know, so I, I just thought for that point of view, and then people will say, well, now my dad's in the local, in the Newfoundland Baseball Hall of Fame again. So I, I grew up, and again, on a relative level, watching him play, being around the guys. And there's way more physical demand to, to baseball than people think. And with that, and the mental, and the 162 games, like how much is mental, Josh? You get up to that plate, it's inches. So a lot of it must be mental. It's not even really inches. It's more when you break it down. It's centimeters. You hit a ball... Yeah. This good in between that good, and that's the difference between a double, a pop-up, and a homer. So, yeah, I mean, the mental side of things, I think that just goes back to, you know, having that escape we talked about. You know, once once the game's over, the game's got to be over. You talk about it, you can sulk about it at the ballpark, 
on the ride home on the bus. But as soon as you get off that bus, you're not a baseball player anymore. You're just, you're just you and you got to find things that, you know, get you away from that. Worry about that tomorrow and move on. And that's, that's just the way I looked at it. When, but when you're in the game, I think just, cause like you said, it's not just physically demanding, it's mentally, it's mentally demanding on you going through every scenario that plays out. When you step in the box, what's the right thing to do? What's this guy going to throw? How hard is he going to throw? Is he going to throw 95 and then break off a 75 mile hour curveball? I got to get the guy over. If I hit it here, I've got to do this. If I'm in the outfield, okay, I got to run it first. If it sits over here, over here, I got to throw it. it just, just, you're just always moving. Something's always ticking up there. And at the end of the night, it's, it's, it's physically and emotionally draining. That's, that's where that, that escape comes from. I'm guessing here again now, but um, say when I got up to the, to the NHL, the difference, I mean, it's all relative. And there's the, the minors, the AHL is certainly not bad. It's fast hockey, crisp passes. When I got up to the NHL, though, I found like the, 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 the speed at which the passes are coming and everything is a lot different. For baseball, I'm guessing there's lots of people in the minors that can throw it 90-odd, even 100. Yep. But the jump, like the curveballs, were, were they way better in the majors? Uh, did you ever see a knuckleball? Does that happen anymore? That's two questions in one. Go ahead. I've seen them all. Yeah, they like you said, they all throw relatively harder and just the next guy. But, you know, the difference between a minor league pitcher and a big league pitcher is, one, knowing how to pitch certain guys. Okay. And, two, just being able to control it. You know, you can have a guy out there throwing 98 with a really good curveball or a good slider but he's not going to know where anything's going. So he's going to be spotting up and it's going to be just as hard for the hitter as it is for the pitcher, because there you got to zone in just in a particular spot and hopefully he throws it there and you guess right. Whereas for him, he's hoping to just throw the damn thing over the plate and get a strike out of it. Um, yeah. So that's, that's your difference there. I think in the big leagues, they just know, they just know what they're doing. That's, that's really all it comes down to is they know what they're doing. And when they get off, they know how to fix it real quick and make that in get that yeah. big game adjustment. But yes, I face knuckleballers. Um, not, 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 not a big fan of them. <laughs> um, like as in, there's, it's there's, hard to hit them, or you don't want one on your team. I don't mind playing behind one on defense. I just don't want to face one because mm. there's nothing you can do. You can watch as much video as you want on the guy, but one pitch is going to go this way, and the other one's going to go that way, oh, and it's going that way, and it's that believe, way. So. I can't believe. Honestly, even yeah. Uh, well, you were in Boston. One of the best ever would be Wakefield, I'm guessing. Um, yep. Of course, that was before you, but you know what I'm saying. Um, we were teammates. Me and Wakefield were teammates. Oh, yeah. He played late then. He played into his 40s, didn't he? I started his 200th win game. Wow, really? Interesting. It must yep, be I'm, wild. I mean, you know, we throw around here for a laugh, and I'm looking at knuckleballs, and they're, I go, I can't imagine what a, what a major league knuckleball must look like. It must be, at times, unhittable. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? Well, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with promo code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. 
Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. I'm rambling, and I got you for about another 25 minutes, if that's okay. Yep. Uh, I'm going to take my daughter to, to basketball. Well, um, cool. 2013, I'm in Toronto for the national ball hockey championships playing with Newfoundland. We're in Hamilton at 45 minutes away. We said, let's go up mm-hmm. and watch a, a Blue Jays game. Three dingers. You ended up getting two the next night. You were at that game? Day. I, was at the, I was at the first one where you got three. Let's go. That's great. Yeah, I was at the, I told you. Like, you're very much on my radar. It hasn't just happened now. And um, so, you know, and I'm, I'm a pretty big baseball fan. I was there. A couple of questions here. Um, the five and two games, that I believe is a record, but your, your second one, and I'll, I'll never forget it. I was there, and you went opposite field with it. You almost scooped it, and, and it goes opposite field, which, for those that don't know, it, it's not the easiest home run to hit. You, you know, a lot of pull, if you're going strength, you, you, would, you would be a pull hitter, and it wasn't even the kind of pitch. You, you didn't ride it outside. You, like, scooped it out of the park. Now I was I was late on a fastball at ninety seven. Were you? Is that what it was? That's all it was. It was just it was actually just a, a swing to protect myself because I had two strikes and it was a nice. That's what I was going to ask. Fastball, yeah. <laughs> and I just tried to flick it out there and I ended up touching it just right and it scaled over the fence. That's wild. Are there any parks that are noticeably easier to hit home runs than other ones? E- easier, easiest might be not to be the right word that are less difficult. So I think it becomes personal preference because it's all about how you perform. And for me personally, it was either the Rogers Center or Camden Yards. When I was going to Baltimore, Toronto, I was hitting at least one or one or two homers every series. Wow. And I think think when I retired, I think I had about 20 career homers against the Blue Jays and probably about the same around against the Orioles. Interesting. Um, We're growing up as a Braves fan. Who do you think you could hit off of the best? If at all. Well, I mean, come on, I'm not diminishing. You're an all-star, but... Of, these guys, of a brave, oh, you're talking about the Braves pitcher? I'm talking about Maddox, Smoltz, and Glavin. Gosh. Three of I'm arguably taking... the best in the 90s, and they're all on one team coming at you, one of the most successful teams ever. Who do you think taking, you would have the most success off of? I'm taking Tom Glavin. Oh, yeah? There's no way, there's no way I'm hitting Greg Maddox's two-seamer. Yeah. There's no way I'm figuring him out at all. John Smoltz is John Smoltz, let's be honest here. There's nothing going on there. But Glavin is my crafty lefty who's just going to try to switch speeds and spot up. So I feel like that's going to be the best shot for me, even though I am a left-handed. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to take my chances against Tom because there's no way I'm hitting Greg Maddox. Do you know Glavin was drafted to the LA Kings? I did not know that. Yeah, and I, honestly, I got that's just in my head. If I'm wrong, I'm sure my listeners will – but will let me know. But, no, I'm, I'm 99% sure he was drafted. He's a hockey player. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, wild. Okay. Um, you're at baseball, you're playing 162 games a year. It's not like hockey where you have a lot more practices to work on things. Practice happens during the game day, you know, being yep. batting practice and, and things like that. But I think there's a real art. Again, I'm playing right field locally, but it's the same and relatively chasing a ball and, 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 and knowing when that wall is going to come. I mean, you got to look at the warning track. It's, I guess better if you're in your home field, but you, you were an artist at that. Um, so did you practice 
doing that specifically, you know, I'm talking about the the, the ball that's either going to go just over the wall, which you've saved a few times, or the ball that's going to hit the top of the fence. And, you know, you got to, like I said, there's an art to it that I don't think a lot of fans realize. Did you practice that specifically? I know the oh. throw, obviously, hitting the cutoff man and all that, you practice, but the catches. All the time. Yeah, when you, when you practice stuff like that, when you go to a ballpark that you're not familiar with, so being in the same division, the AL West, for I think, what, nine and a half years, Obviously helps because you become more recognizable with the ballpark. Okay, Every ballpark yeah. I've played in, you know, it becomes more natural. And I don't have to work on it as much. But let's say if I'm with Oakland and I'm traveling to play, you know, Minnesota. Perfect example. If I'm in Minnesota playing the Twins, tough right field to play. Okay. It's got the, it's got the overhang bleachers where the ball can hit off of. That's not a homer. And it's got the tall wall that has padding at the bottom where it bounces off good. And then the rest of it's kind of a plywood and a chain link where it just dies. So you see, you take that time in batting practice. You, you you get your 20, 30 minutes out there of how the ball reacts. And I'd always take my own baseball and just uh -huh. throw it against the wall just to see how it reacts. I go from my stretch that I felt like I would have to cover for that game and just throw it from different angles to see which way it bounced. That way, when it came into the game, I could say, oh, that's to my right. I got to get around it to make sure I bounce it off the wall right and get a good relay. Or, oh, it's soft enough hit to where I can hopefully get back there and make a play on it. And I know I've got padding back there. Okay. Uh, interesting. I mean, obviously, I figured you practice catch and pop-ups, but I wasn't sure the specifics because it's so unique. You know what I mean? It's it's not like yeah. hockey practicing a penalty shot. You know, those wall plays are so unique. Um, okay. 2017, I, I, I don't even think we could do five podcasts at least just on <laughs> at that least. season. So At least. You, you end up in Houston, mm -hmm. um, which is one of the, I mean, continually a fantastic team still. You, you, you land there, this is different than going from Boston to Oakland. Right. Right? For many reasons. I'm thinking you're going to a team, now you know you have a shot, first of all. You get there, you realize we really have a shot, and then you win it all, and you have a World Series ring, and nobody can take that away. I hate to ask you to sum all that up, but going there, did you realize, okay, this might be it right from the beginning? And after you guys won it, I mean, what kind of a party was that? So when I first got here, it was actually funny because I didn't think the Astros were going to be a team that called me in my free agency. They kind of just came out of nowhere and came with the best offer and ended up being the best team to offer. So it was actually a... A nice win-win for me because it was like I said, a better team. Great taxes in Texas for those that don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Immediately bought a house here for that yeah. reason alone. Great um, team. But to yeah, go. when when I got here, it was you know this team has the potential to, to to get to the World Series and a chance to win it. And once we traded for Verlander at the deadline, that was kind of our cemented piece. Like we got this. This is our World Series to win. Excuse me. And it was just so much fun because when I came over here, I'd never been on really a team that wanted to win so bad that hate, hates to lose. There you um, go. There's a little bit of they, coming they did. They did. They truly, and, I, and you know, you, you can pick on me and make fun of me, but that's what it was. Everybody hated to lose. We'd come in, it was like the end of the world to us if we lost. And that's what made that team so great because everybody was watching everybody do so good and they were so genuinely happy for everybody everybody's high-fiving and hugging you whereas on other teams you always have your clicks everywhere you go there's always your clicks of guys 
and you know who they are. There's always this one guy under his breath who's like hoping you don't do good in the situation, even though you're yeah. down one run. Oh, There's yeah. always guys like that. But this team, you get in there and everybody was just, you know, we're yelling across the locker room. We're doing, you know, crazy things before the game. I think three weeks in, I brought in my wrestling title belt and we started doing a player of the game after every game, you know, hitter of the game, got oh, the belt. Okay. So, yeah, so we had our own drumstick, you know, it was like our drumstick thing. You know, we, we whoever did good, who got the, got the, the belt. And then we ended up getting a pitcher and a player one. So the position player who did the best at the plate that night got his belt, gave a little speech at the end of the night. Then the pitcher got his and he got his speech and it was a celebration. We crack open some beers, me, vodka drink, whatever. And we just had our, had our, all our good time with it and talked it out and just enjoyed the win. And that was just one thing that made that team so special. And I, we had that for four years straight. Fucking and awesome. Nobody knows what that's like. And you know what I love about it, Josh? Um, that after 2017, with all that criticism, with the, the video and all that shit, I mean, you guys got a lot of it. But. And I'm I'm kind of impartial. I I can kind of even see if it's there, and you know we might win the World Series. I don't know. It's not like you. Anyway, I don't want to get too far into it because that's not what I'm here for. But what's great is that you came back and you had a wicked team again and again and again. So they they, they couldn't say that's why you won. You know what I mean? I think the next year you, you lost to Boston, right? But it was in the yep. ALCS, maybe. Yeah, the, the championship series. Yeah, it was. Hey, yeah. You know, if I can touch on that before we move forward, because I don't care. I'll talk about I it. I didn't want to put words in your mouth. You're, you're, you're I, I'm not trying to get a quote, but, yeah, it's a big, nope. it's a big topic. We're the only team doing it. That's all I got to say. Okay. I figured. <laughs> there were plenty of other teams doing something in the similar role as we were doing. So, Well, like I said, it's great that you went out. If, if you'd finished 28th the next year, now, now – now, okay. Then you got to answer some questions. <laughs> okay. It would be a lot harder yeah. of a then process. Then you got to answer some questions, yes. Um, so the World Series party, would you guys, I can't remember, were you at home? We were in L.A. So oh, okay. we, 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 we didn't do anything crazy. We had um, the hotel we were staying at right by the Staples Center. Had a rooftop bar, and our, our owner uh, closed it out for us, rented it for us, so all our families and people that we had there could come with us and celebrate and have some food and just get to know it. So it was actually pretty mellow. It's not like we all went out and got hammered. I had, you know, my wife at the time was my girlfriend. She was there. And then my, my parents, my brother and sister were all there. So we just kind of kept it mellow, drank some champagne and kicked back and just talked about how cool of the experience it was. And how far we've come from that moment to then. That's awesome. Uh, the parade, I guess would have been a couple of days later and, um, from memory, it seemed like an unreal amount of support that it must have kicked home there. I mean, I've I can imagine that it would have been a lot anyway. I mean, again, again, on a relative level, I have won ball hockey world championships, though. I won a minor league championship in Orlando. Oh, um, and I always find like and the game goes on and there's so much prep and the physical part of it. And then the mental going in, like even if you're up three games to one, you're like, we might win it tonight. We might win it. And all that. And then afterwards, I'm like, you know, I don't even know if I want a party, man. I, I just want to see my buddies, and, you know, so I kind of get that. But then a couple of days yep. later, when you've got a parade or, you know, you're getting interviewed, you're like, OK, I can breathe it's a back. little bit. It's, so, yeah, it's back. Yeah, it's back. So it must have been fun to, to, to have the parade at home in Houston in front of all those fans. Yeah, four, I think we had over four million fans show up for our parade in wow. downtown Houston. So every time you turn a corner, every time you pass a building, it was just an ocean of orange and blue and white all the way down the street. So, yeah, it definitely got your heart racing again. And the good thing about that is you can have your own drinks on whatever vehicle you're riding. So it is one big party. 
Um, yeah. Just don't just make sure you put it in like a Gatorade cup. So you know, <laughs> nobody knows what you're doing. So, but yeah, that was definitely a lot of a, a very fun day and it definitely brought the party vibes back out. And, you know, and I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but you know, after that parade was over and the end of the day was over, like you said, it's like, man, I can't wait to sit on my damn couch. Yeah. And just, and just sit back and reminisce about it and go turn my PlayStation on or something. Well, man, like, yeah, 162 games and then all that playoff. And I just, yeah, I mean, you don't even realize the tension that's there, right? And I mean, I'm talking from a point of view of like most just seasons being over. If, if the season ends with the ultimate prize, I mean, it must be. It must be. I mean, you you experienced it. Um, when you went, so you, you ended up going to Mexico, I believe, and then and then Perth, Australia. Um, yeah. You know, where... <laughs> It must have been what's the word I'm looking for? Not not humbling because you knew you were, but it, it it must have been a unique experience because you grow up thinking maybe I want to play in the major leagues, but you're not thinking about maybe taking this sport to another country and another continent. So it, it must have been unique. And when you're playing on those teams, there must have been a lot of players there that would have loved to get one game in the majors. And you're a bit of now at this yeah. point, you've gone from a young guy looking up to people just in a decade, and now you're the wily veteran that's played places. So did you feel a level of responsibility on those teams to pass things along to the young players as, as Arizona as well? I mean, um, you know, so did you become the guy in the room that gave advice? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like I was a good guy to, to ask for advice my whole career, but yeah, I think once I got older and got to traveling like that, I became the more outspoken veteran as opposed to letting them come to me. Okay. Um, in Mexico, in Mexico was a lot of fun. I actually wish I could have finished the season in Mexico. It just wasn't right for me and my family, my wife and kids. Yeah. Just wasn't the best spot. But it was so much fun baseball. And those kids I played with just they they love to show up every day. It's like their their whole life is to show up and put that uniform on every day, and just being at the ballpark is their church and their cathedral and everything that they they want to be about. So that was that was such a great experience because I saw those kids have those eyes of, of wanting to have everything that you could have and hungry for everything. Yeah, and it, it took it took me back. It took me back 15 years when I was that kid. And then you go to Australia, where you know literally all these guys know is baseball. There, they rarely ever get out of the country to play. Um, and so that that's their major leagues. Their major leagues is playing in the Australian Baseball League. And um, I'm very happy to say when I when I went over there, I've I've still got some very good buddies I talk to pretty much on an everyday basis. Um, but it was so cool because it was kind of like a paid vacation for me and my family because yeah. the team obviously takes care of everything and our rent. But to be able to play just on the weekends and be able to do the touristy thing and see oh, all yeah. the, the whole country from like Monday to Wednesday made it so much better of an experience because got like my wife lived there for two and a half years. So we were all going and new. My wife was a professional snowboarder, traveled the world, doing crazy shit with her snowboard and just being awesome. And skydiving, so she's very extreme, extreme sports person. Yeah, she, she's she's crazy, Terry. Wow. We, we won't go down. We won't go down. I wouldn't be road. able to do that, man. I'd fight the toughest Me guy either. in the world on the ice, but I'm scared to get. I don't like heights at all. I'm the same way. I'm not jumping. I'll wait for you down at the bottom. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've <laughs> given up even assuming that I'm going to try one day because I just get up there and I can't do it. Um, I just got, look. In Australia, we got to see, like, sorry, I kind of cut myself off. But no. going back to Australia, you know, traveling the whole country and just being able to play on the weekends and then just being in that vicinity, you know, we stayed an extra two weeks. We flew over to New Zealand, saw the whole island, spent one week at each North and South Island, and just the most gorgeous country I've ever seen. I could move to New Zealand and be completely happy. 
Um, if you've never been, highly suggest it. No, I haven't um, been to that side of the world. I'm offered to go to Perth to play, if you can believe it. You played in I Perth? I know, that's nuts. The only, like, I just played a pro game um, a couple of weeks ago. And, I was waiting, um, I was gonna ask I was gonna ask you how that went at the end of the interview. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I'll tell you, that's Go a lot ahead. to unpack, but it did one thing. I was offered a couple of players places to play in the minors, and look, I'm busy. I got too much to do. I was flattered, and I if I didn't have so much to do, I would definitely go back at it. But Perth, Perth uh, offered. They were they were, and and I have a big like Shorzy is a huge following in Australia. I, I I had no idea, but they just started pro hockey over there a little while ago. Yeah, it's getting really progressively it. better. So they asked me to play in Perth, and it's you know it's it's low low minors, but you do get paid a little bit. It'd be a bit right. of a paid vacation, but I just don't have the time. Um, right now, listen before we get on. So I just got a few more left. Call rapid fire randoms, but before we get there, I want to know. Like, there's so much. Maybe even someday you can come on. Uh, you know, because I want to know about the Savannah Bananas. I want to know about wrestling. I want to know about Spider Man. I want to know about your retirement letter that was well written. Um, but 2012, you lead the league in sacrifice flies. Seventeen. And a lot of what's that? 2017, wasn't it? Was it? Okay, sorry, my I think it was 2017. Was 17. So, mm-hmm. I'm. A lot of people ask me, and I'm not like at an amateur level. You don't really know. You're just trying to hit the ball, right? So I can't really. People go, oh, like this so and so get the most sack flies. I'm like, yeah, that means he was going for a home run. Like I, I don't know. Like <laughs> it, might, it might be nice. Right? I, I can consciously give you a bunt. But I don't know, man. Someone's pitching it. I'm not good enough to like direct it. And so, were you thinking? I really want to know, like a major leaguer, are you thinking pop it out because there is a different swing that you could take to loft the ball, mm-hmm. or are you just did it just happen to, to to go out there, you know, however many times? Oh, it was 2017, and you had 12. That yep. was it. Yeah. Yep. So um, when when I get a man on third base less than two outs, my whole my whole approach changes. I don't even try to really hit the ball to right field. I know they're not going to try to pull, give me the ball over there. They're going to move the infield in. They're going to put stuff on the outer side of the plate okay. so I can roll it over and get the, get the out. So what I do is I change my approach to try to hit a long fly ball to left center field. That way, anything other than that, I can just adjust to, and everything else can be positive. So if okay. I'm looking fastball away to hit out there, I can adjust to that curveball or that off-speed pitch. There, I'm already ready to pull the ball. So I'm already looking that way, but if I get an off-speed, I can adjust to pull the ball. That's a fantastic and, I mean, answer, and and that's what it is. You know, I'm not trying. I'm st- I'm setting my bar relatively. I guess I wouldn't say low, but a sack fly is going to be the least amount I'm going to take out of this at bat because it's still a very positive at bat. Yeah, got to get the run in. It doesn't matter if you get the run in that way or if the infield's back. If I hit a ground ball to shortstop, as long as I get that run in, that's all I'm worried about. But if there if that infield's in, I am trying to hit a deep fly ball to left center field and everything else after that. I should be able to adjust to just fine. Interesting. It's adjusting to the play. Uh, like again, I'm I'm a big baseball fan, but never got a chance to really see like a major league pitcher or anything. And I'm wondering, I was wondering personally there, but I'm sure a lot of people watch think the same thing, right? You're not just yep. getting lucky; you're adjusting your stance. Um, okay. Rapid fire randoms. Josh Reddick, you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Death row meal. You're on death row. You're in Texas. You've done something. You've gone out, you had a few too many beers. Someone called you, hey, you bum, you bum, Reddick. You turn around, you <laughs> pow them in the head, they go back, boom, their head hits the curb, they die. You're on death row, manslaughter, buddy. What do you have to eat the night before you go to your execution? Steamed crab legs. Mm. Steamed crab legs. A very 
popular treat here in Newfoundland. So uh, even yes. though it's snowing here right now, but Savannah, Georgia isn't that far away from the nope. ocean, and um, neither is Crosby, Texas, I suppose. It sure isn't. Um, did anyone ever throw it at you? If they did, Purposely. I wouldn't have known it. I didn't know if it was on purpose or not, but no, I don't think anybody's ever tried to throw at me on purpose. You know what? That means you're a good guy and an honest player because – and it's rare that you played that long and no one at some point the guy before you is going to piss somebody off or the pitcher is going to throw. So yep. people must have respected you not to throw it at you. Um, I got lucky. Not that you, yeah, not that you needed me to say that. You got one superpower. What would it be? Fly. How many times did do people frequently spell your name R E D I C K? Way too many. Way too many. I thought so. The basketball player. Uh, briefly, tell us about Spider-Man. Why are you such a fan? And did I hear this correctly? Did you really get married in your Spider-Man outfit? Um, so I've been a Spider-Man fan since I was a kid, and I ended up making some catches when my when I was with Oakland, and our, our broadcaster called it the Spider-Man catch. Ah. So it, it ended up being a connection, and right after I did that, they started making compression shirts, and Spider-Man was a new new release. And I always wore a compression shirt under my jersey. Oh, I see. <laughs> I ended up being, for the rest of my career, and I even have them now, for the rest of my career, I always wore my Spider-Man under because that became my official nickname. I was Spider-Man. And how, um, how long have you had that car? So the car the I bought after we, after we won the World Series, I bought it. And then two years later, my wife gave me the, the wrap job on it now for Christmas. <laughs> oh, is that what happened? Interesting. Yes. And why, oh, why did you pick Careless Whisper to walk up to the plate to? Because that became something fucking huge. It was. So yeah. we're completely random, hanging out in the clubhouse one day, having a shit month at the plate, just not hit, hitting worth a <laughs> oh, damn. Really? And it came on on the, on the satellite radio in the clubhouse. I said, you know what? I'm walking up to this tonight. Go out there, go two for four, hit my first home run in like a month and a half. And as superstitious as people are, and we are as baseball players, I wasn't changing it after that and ended up sticking around for a month and got, you know, all the notoriety in the world, ended up doing an interview for Rolling Stones magazine. And <laughs> I was, I was pretty excited. I honestly I didn't want to research that one because I just remember it happening and I wanted you to tell me straight up. I'm like, well, yep. something must have happened. Either we met George Michael or something. Nope. I um, was just doing terrible at the time. Okay. Okay. Um, what do you do with your world championship ring? It's in my, my safe in my closet. Is it really? Do you ever break so it out? I, no, I have a so I have a replica. I don't ever bring the real one out, but we have replicas that they that, uh, that they gave what us. a fucking idea. I haven't heard of that idea. Yep. So because we, you we want people you. to see it. I'm like, you work so hard. I got a buddy, Brad Richards. Brad, you work so fucking hard. You have a Terry, it's too pretty for Tampa Bay. Too big, yep. too big. I'm like, Okay, but and he goes, "Do you want me to leave that anywhere too expensive?" But now that <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, it just does. It doesn't have all the diamonds and crazy stuff, expensive stuff in it. So it, it's my social ring when I go out and do social things. Fantastic. Uh, who was the toughest for you to hit against? Now I'm sure you know it doesn't necessarily have to be the best in your division. In some of those years in Houston and in Oakland, you had some fucking big time chuckers, but. You know, sometimes it's someone that's average and you just can't hit it as well off him. Oh, Felix Hernandez. Oh, straight up. That didn't even take any time at all. You're positive with this. 
Oh, I, I, I faced him the most. I faced him in his prime when I was with Oakland. Obviously, he was a Seattle Mariner. Yeah. And I think I'm career like four for 36 or something off of him with like 15 wow. strikeouts. It's it's insane. It's Some bad. guys got your number. Yeah. Hey, yeah, but then you have other guys' numbers, and they're having the same conversation well, with people saying your name. Yeah, exactly. It averages <laughs> out, right? Then sometimes, same thing. Like some goalies in hockey, you know, how do, how do I am I scoring on this guy when I can't score on this guy? It's the same thing. Exactly. Um, you're a DJ. You've, for some reason, you've blown all your money. Now you got to get back into the, uh, get some new employment. And uh, for some reason in this hypothetical world, you have to be a DJ. Do you pick the name? DJ Astro Slide, always on base, B-A-S-S, uh, or Right Field Funk? Oh, Right Field Funk. Right Field Funk. That sounds cool. Easy. I mean, I kind of like right good. That's funk. good to say. Funk. It is. Um, <laughs> favorite sports jersey ever, non-baseball? Favorite sports jersey. Ooh. I got to go with my college team, Georgia Bulldogs. Oh, great answer. Uh, favorite baseball jersey ever, like for Major League? Doesn't The Atlanta Braves throwback with the lowercase a on it. I love how you guys, too, the Jays do that. The Jays have like 12 jerseys. I don't know. I wish we there. could do that in hockey. Um, you know, you, you guys get away with in baseball. Each team can have like just you go to the you don't know what you're going to get. Must be great for sales. I like it as a fan. But I mean, yeah, the Jays sometimes wear red. Now, red is part of their thing. I'm mean, like, I get they're from Canada, but it used to be just Canada Day. Now they wear their reds like 36 days a year. And they got their baby blues and their dark blues and their whites with each color. It's crazy. Pow the powder blues. Yeah, the powder blues. That's my favorite, to be honest. Um, I love playing there on Canada Day. I look, red's my color. So seeing everything red in those jerseys were amazing. It really caught on. Yeah, I remember oh, at yeah. first. People were skeptical, but it really caught on. Did you have any baseball superstitions before the game? Put on left cleat first, shit like that. Ooh, um, crazy stuff. I mean, you always go sock, sock, cleat, cleat. Some guys go sock, cleat, sock, cleat. So, so, so they're pretty much serial killers. Um, <laughs> but I'd always, I'd always have, I mean, I guess this is one, but I'd always have to have a Red Bull before the game. It was always my pregame drink. I'd have to have my Red Bull to huh. kind of get get my jolt in there right before I got out there, but. Nothing really too crazy. Nothing too crazy superstitious. I was a uh, Red Bull rep for a little while. Um, what goes on a perfect pizza? <laughs> I'm going to get hated for this one. Pineapple and Canadian ham. You know, so the first place that that was ever, I believe, I know it's in Ontario. I think it was Stratford, Ontario. But the first place that, we, that had the Hawaiian pizza. I mean, they, they say that. And I, I, I'm pretty sure it is Stratford. I know it's on Ontario, but I mean, how do, how do I know if someone in Turkey put on pineapple on their pizza? But I know it's where it became popular, and uh, it was a bit of a one-off, like to try to get people in the shop, and it ended up being yeah. a real delicacy. I, I, well, I enjoy it, phenomenal. to be honest. I don't, I don't mind it. Um, best Christmas present you've ever gotten? Here's a tough one I threw at yeah, you. Yeah, my yeah, the whole life. I'm trying to think back childhood. Now you're going, maybe my now. wife gave me something and I forget and I don't want to look past that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um <laughs> she did. So more I'll give you two answers to that. So more recently, the one that she's probably gotten me that I've been the most fond of. She's got me these two really beautiful necklaces and they're gorgeous chains. And then one of them's a big Spider Man and it has emeralds and diamonds on it. And it's just Spider Man flying with his web out. And then I got another one that she made and it's a bulldog shape and it has all of our dogs 
I'm sorry, all of our birthstones on the Bulldog. So the Bulldog, the Sudbury Blueberry Bulldogs, kind of works out when you're wearing that. Uh, for those that don't know, that aren't aren't watching on YouTube, it's he's got a beauty uh, Sudbury Blueberry Bulldog hoodie on, and there you go. Look at that. Looks great, and and the toque. Uh, we call those toques here. The I don't toques, know what you guys yep. call them. Um, Beanies. Okay, you're 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 a. Um, you've got to put a picture. You got one out left. It's this can't be someone you played with. Okay. Okay. All of a sudden, you're at some All Star game. I don't know. We're in Mars and we're playing the aliens, and you've got in this. You can pick any pitcher that you played against in their prime, other than Felix Hernandez. Mariano Rivera. Okay. That didn't take any time whatsoever. Nope. Best, the best pitcher that ever walked his face of the earth. And even though he was a closer, I mean, the stat that always pops out about Mariano is more people have walked on the moon than have scored on him in the postseason. Now, I did not know that. I'm well aware of Rivera. My dad is a huge Yankees fan, okay? Yep. Um, so I grew well, up. So I'm, sure he, I'm sure he loves me. Well, I Their tell fans you. fans hate me. <laughs> I won't say that, but he, of the teams you've played on, a couple of teams that he's hated. Yes, being Boston and Houston, uh, just from day one, just because of where they are and who they play against. But he is a fan; like he knew your stats when I spoke to him. Um, pre- 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 he's an intense fan, though. Um, but yeah, so you'd have Mariano Rivera. That makes total sense. Um, batter, you got same situation. Can't be a guy you played with. You've got, you know, they're throwing heat. They're throwing this. This dude throws 103, and he's got a 71-mile-an-hour changeup, and he's got movement all over the place. You need one batter to go up there and hit against him. I'm going to guess what I would think. No, you, you tell me who would be, sorry, someone you didn't play with. Who would you put up there? Tony Gwynn. What? Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn. People forget, didn't he? He, he was big. I think he's a career like three – 340-something. 340-something. Yeah, I remember hearing that. Uh, Like real, real. yeah, Underrated almost. As time is passing, you don't hear his name as much. You really should. Um, Now, if it was one of your own teammates, I'm I'm fascinated by uh, Altuve. Jose Altuve. Like, really, he's he's a small guy. He seems to – he changes his stance. He wrenches him out over the fence. He hits home runs. He he gets on base, this guy. But maybe I'm wrong. But, you know, let's say other than him, who would you put up to bat? And w- am I wrong respecting him like that? Not at all, because that was 100% going to be my answer. Was it really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, again, you play with a lot of people, and I'm only watching. Like, I don't see all the players and all this. <laughs> but, again, I'm fascinated by that guy. Okay, good. Tell us a little bit but, about him. How does he prepare? Hard every day. Focuses hard every day. Because, you know, he's a guy who got told when he was a kid to not come back. He kept trying out and... They kept telling him he was too small to not I remember come back. Hearing he, that. Just kept, yeah. he just kept coming back, coming back, and he's just gotten so much better as the years go on. From playing against him, you know, he used to be a little slap hitter guy, scrap the ball in the gaps, shoot the ball to right field. And then it seems like when I signed there, he became this big power hitter and started hitting 25, 30 homers. Yeah. So every year he just got stronger. And, you know, you don't, you don't see it in him, but if you saw him with his shirt off, very well put together. Okay. Okay, he so works, it's, like, it's, he works his butt off, and he's very muscled and toned out. So he's a strong little guy. Okay, interesting. And lastly, steal a base. Anybody you played with or against? That's Ricky. Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson. He's all time leader, right? 
I don't yep, think the house is going to be touched. Now it's coming it's back not. a little bit with those inches. Now there, I think there it's was not. more. Yeah, how would it be? It's not because I think if you if you spent I think it's like fifteen or more years in the league and had a hundred stolen bases a year, you still wouldn't come close to Ricky's record. And stolen bases were becoming a bit of the thing of the past. Now I don't know. I'm just looking at as a fan. I'm assuming there was more this year, right? Because of the rule changes. Yes, yeah. With the rule changes, yes. And the way you know, when you look back at Ricky's playing days, they weren't throwing as hard as they do now. Their leg kicks were super high, so they weren't really worried about the runners. And now, you know, even before the rule change, it was all about how quick you can get to the plate, and guys are consistently throwing ninety-five miles an hour. So it's yeah. just it's just one of those things that's never going to be broken. It won't be. And and what's great is that a lot of those he just took like. Teams just well, he's on first. He's going to get second. Let's not risk anything happening yeah. here. Let's not change. Let's, cha- let's not change what we're doing because know. we know he's going to steal regardless. Haven't asked my dad. Going, dad, how come? Sure, of course, he steals bases half the time. He takes off. No one's even throwing the ball. He goes <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> anyway, look. I wish I could have you longer, but I got to um, three minutes. I got to take my daughter to her basketball. I really appreciate it. Do you have anything to uh, promote, Josh? Like, uh, you know, I didn't really ask that first nor last. Are you involved with a, uh, you know, company? Are you selling anything, a charity, anything like nope. that? Nope, nothing, nothing as of right now. Just a local little league baseball coach. Okay, well, listen, <laughs> I, um, so Kiso's going to send you a couple of jerseys, okay, for you and your buddy. Appreciate that. Appreciate but I'm referring it. to folks. Uh, Josh was wearing a couple of Shorzy jerseys on a skiing trip recently and he posted it on his Instagram. So I, uh, that caught my eye to say the least being a fan. So those are on the way. And I told you what I want in return at some point, I want to come down to a Houston Astros game or any, but I mean, might as well be a Houston Astros game and you and I go and you get me the first beer. Let's do it. Absolutely. Sounds good. You let me know. I'll make some phone calls. We'll get real close to the field. Sounds good. I really appreciate it. And this is going to happen within the next year, my friend. I promise you. Thanks for coming on today. And if you uh, finish that story in Red Dead Redemption, just hit me me online. I know I will. And I look forward to coming back on here with you, buddy. Okay, brother. That was a treat. Josh Reddick, folks. Thank you very much, Josh. And we will uh, keep in touch. Shoot me a note. I'm going to the NHL All-Star Game this weekend with my father. Should be a treat. Stay tuned. And uh, I'll be in touch after that for uh, plans to see a game in Houston. Let's do it, baby. Okay, brother. Thank you. Yep, thanks. Okay, folks. Josh Reddick, just awesome. Um, Great guy. Great. He's exactly the kind of person I thought he would be, you know? He really is. And uh, I'd love to elaborate on that. I'm probably going to have Josh back again at some point because I know he's a big Shorzy fan. And when season three comes out, I'd love to get his commentary. And it's nice to have... Such an accomplished athlete. Uh, you know, usually I have hockey players. I've had Stanley Cup winners on, but I've never had an MLB, I don't think. No, I've definitely never had an MLB player on, especially not one that won a World Series. Uh, Golden Glove, led the league in sacrifice flies, hit 30-plus home runs, 145 career home runs, 262 average. I mean, there's so much that this guy could be cocky about, and he's as down-to-earth as when he grew up outside of Savannah, Georgia. Thank you again, Josh. Folks, if you're in downtown St. John's and you want a beer, I want you to go to the Bull and Barrel, Trinity Pub, TJ's Pub, Rob Roy Confusion, the Martini Bar, or, of course, Greensleeves. If you're going to get a bite to eat, start right above Greensleeves, Loose Tie, the best up-and-coming restaurant in town. It's changed its menu, its personnel. I fucking love it. Check it out. 
I'd also go to Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, and, of course, Wedgwood Cafe, who also does catering. Thank you, Peter Wedgwood, for a great meal yesterday. Also, if you want to go to Mr. Lube, there's two locations here in St. John's, Newfoundland. One's on Torbay Road. One's on Camelot Road. Live, laugh, lube. Ryan Power, Power Conditioning, strength and balance for the body and mind. Rope Walk Lane, look no further than Ryan Power, Power Conditioning. True Hockey, take what's yours. Pitbull Pain Relief, the pain sticks that just don't quit. Go to pitbullpainrelief.com. And, folks, I'll be back in just a few days with more Tales with Tierra. I'll catch you guys on the rebound. Thanks for listening.